1: Hey everybody, it's Dan, and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today, Mary Kate, Cabot, Scott Patzko, and I answer a few Browns draft questions. Uh, I came up with some questions through them at Mary Kay and Scott, and we talked through uh, some rookies that might have an impact in 2022, the rookies that will define this class, and more. So that's all coming up. Now, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, go to Cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up so you get a daily newsletter, get access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns, and become one of our text subscribers all right here we go let's talk a little more nfl draft on the wednesday orange and brown talk podcast here we go on our wednesday edition of the orange brown talk podcast we're going to continue to talk draft a little bit of brown's roster construction i came up uh, with a few questions to throw at mary Kay and scott Uh, so let's just start here i want to talk about impact that these picks will have and this is talking about 2022 specifically and scott i'm going to make a rule here you're not allowed. It has to be a draft pick. It has to be a player who is actually picked. So you're not allowed to say Deshaun Watson or Amari Cooper, like you did the other day, okay. which draft pick will make the biggest impact in 2022. Specifically. I was debating between a couple of guys. I'm curious about who you guys might say.
0: Well, it's one of the guys that was picked either in the third round or the fourth round. So we can narrow it, narrow it down like that, I believe. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind was Perrion Winfrey, because I think that there is an opening for him to step right in and, uh, and grab one of those starting roles. And I think they're very, very excited about him and what he brings to the table. So um, I think he's very, very high on the list, but you can make a case. I mean, if they don't sign another or acquire another receiver, then David Bell is going to have to make a, a really big impact this year. Uh, if they don't sign Jadavian Clowney, Alex Wright could be the starting edge opposite Miles. And Cade York, we can make an argument that Cade York could make the biggest impact this year in winning football games. So uh, it could be any one of those guys, but I guess Winfrey comes to mind first, just maybe because he's such a big, booming, loud presence.
2: I would go with Cade York. Um, if he doesn't work out, then that, I mean, you can have an impact both positively <laughs> and negatively. And I think if he doesn't hit, if he isn't uh, someone they can count on consistently out of the gates here, that's going to have a huge impact on this team. You don't want to have a kicker who's trying to figure things out while you're, you know, you're going forth in a season where you consider yourself probably a a legit playoff contender. So um, I think he's got to be at the top of the list. I would probably put David Bell second. Um, I do agree that he'll have opportunities to, to claim a lot of snaps, especially uh, if he's someone who, who they want to use more in the slot Um, that could really uh, give him a lot of chance to, to make plays and, and just, just in general, just be out there. So, but I think it's Kate York all the way. He's going to be the leading scorer on this team. Um, And yeah, you don't want to be five weeks in wondering, man, did we screw up by, (laughs) by using a fourth round pick on a kicker? because everybody's going to be waiting for that moment.
1: <laughs> so th- that's actually an interesting discussion about Kate York, uh, because obviously the Browns, and this is no surprise, right? That the Browns are essentially just handing him the job. If you pick a kicker in the fourth round, he's going to be your kicker. Chase McLaughlin was not going to beat him out in training camp. Um, but there is that discussion about like, I-, I don't know if how long the leash is, is the right word. Cause I think it would be pretty long. Um, I wanted to look, Evan McPherson did get off to a pretty good start last year. He went through a stretch where he made one or two against Jacksonville and then, and then missed two in that really weird game that the Bengals lost to green Bay, where everybody was, was missing kicks, but he was pretty consistent most of the year. But like if if Cade York, if we're halfway through the season and Cade York is like barely 70% on field goals, is there going to be real concern there? Or, I mean, is that leash just so long at this point that it doesn't matter?
0: I'm not as wed to him having to be wildly successful because you use that pick on him as maybe some other people might be. I think it was smart to take a chance. I think he's got the opportunity to be really good. If he, if he's not, then you go find a kicker somewhere else. Uh, I, I think it was the right chance to take. Sometimes you, you have to take a little bit of a risk and if they wanted to make sure that they got him and nobody else did because people knew that they needed this kicker, uh, then 124, again, I, ju- I just don't think is too high. Um, you know, we don't look at Tommy Togiai and like wonder, oh my God, what's going <laughs> to happen if Tommy Togiai is no good? Or even James H- Hudson, to a certain extent, um, you guys can probably think of other fourth round picks as well that we just don't, like, you don't even think about them. Uh, it's a crapshoot. Once you get to the fourth round uh, and actually quite before that, Uh, The draft is a crapshoot. I mean, you want to be getting starters out of the first round, but, you know, a lot of times you really don't. And that's just the reality of it. So, you know, if he's good, great. They nailed it. If he's not go sign a kicker.
2: I think a lot of it has to do with uh, when you miss because, you know, Phil Dawson, as beloved as he is. um, I mean, he wasn't out there drilling 90% of his kicks. He was he was low 80s with the Browns, but We all remember important kicks that he made. Um, So that's the real big thing. If you're not, if missing fine, but if you have to make make the kicks that, that are important, not miss the ones that are going to cost you a chance to win. That's, that's how you stick around.
1: Yeah. McPherson didn't become a star because he was making kicks in the first quarter in October. Right. He became a star because he made those game winning kicks you know, against Kansas city and then in the playoffs and, and all of that. So, so yeah, you're right, Scott, I was going to go either York or Winfrey and Mary Kay. I think you and I were on the same page with Winfrey. He seems like the the one guy that outside of York who like almost certainly has a starting spot open to him. Um, he's still got to go earn it, but there's no reason to think that based on the fit he is the, the kind of just the what they want at that position there's no reason to think that he couldn't show up and beat out jordan elliott and tommy Togiay. and you know if they bring in some veteran or something I, he's going to have an opportunity to start it feels like he's there's usually been a couple of rookies from andrew Barry's drafts that start almost immediately
0: yeah, I think that's the plan, and I think that he is regarded uh, differently than maybe even a Jordan Elliott was or a Tommy Togiai was. I do think that they probably had a pretty high grade on him, and they weren't the only ones. Uh, we know that the the great draft expert, Dane Brugler, who we rely on him a lot for, um, for evaluations, he had a second-round grade on him. The 33rd team, uh, which includes some former Browns execs, they had him as Their number 36 uh, player on their big board. So uh, that's a second round pick. And I'm sure the Browns had him. I'm guessing that they had like a second round, probably some kind of a second round grade, maybe a higher third round grade on him. Uh, But I don't think they thought he would get to them or slip to them at number 108. So I think they do think of him as someone that can come in and start or play a very, very key role right away. I think that's the plan. And I did a little digging on him too, and went back and found that he was very frustrated about the way that he was used at Oklahoma, and um, and you know used some quotes from him talking about how you know they ran a lot of stunts, they ran a lot of games, they didn't just uh, you know keep things simple for him and just have him you know shooting the gaps and and just you know using all his bull rush ability at all times, and also. Uh, He didn't like the fact that they, you know, they replaced him a lot. They rotated a lot of guys in. So I think the Browns probably see something in him that tells them that he can probably step in and start for them right away.
2: If they can get consistent pass rush from him, that's huge because that's something they just didn't get uh, over the last couple of years. As good as Miles Garrett was last year, as good as Clowney was, they were only 17th in pressure rate uh, as a team. So you want... uh, I guess to take more advantage of, of your edges. You know, you want those guys in the middle to, to take advantage of those one-on-one matchups. And he sounds like a guy who can do it. I don't think they really care about, I mean, he's not good against the run. He hasn't been good against the run, but I'm not sure the Browns care about that. They would much rather have teams come in and say, you know what? I think we can run on the Browns and then try to do that instead of passing. Cause just, you know, passing so much more efficient, the Browns are, built so much better to defend the pass because they know it's more efficient if you want to come in and try to run on the browns great it's just going to take you a lot longer to get where you want to go and you know i don't know if it's third degree chess hey let's get a guy who isn't good at defending the run but uh uh it's clear that that creating pressure uh on the interior of the line is something they they really value that's why malik mcdowell you know was here last year
1: Okay, so this next question is a little bit of a, a semantics question here. But I, I put up a post on Tuesday about the three players who will define this Browns draft. And what I mean by that is, so like when we look at Andrew Barry's first draft, I, there will be successes there, right? Donovan Peoples-Jones is a success. Uh, maybe Nick Harris will end up being a success out of that draft if he's your, your long-term starting center, right? But that draft is kind of defined by... You know what does Jedrick Wills become? What does Grant Delpit become? Right? If, if those two guys don't pan out necessarily, especially Wills, it is a little bit of a of a mark against that draft. Even if other picks pan out, his second draft, right? He nails the Greg Newsom pick it appears and the, and the Jeremiah Lusikormo pick, and I think those are the two defining picks of, of that draft. So, who are the players, or who's who's a player that you think will ultimately? define this draft so not not a guy who was like an extra pick late who might turn into a really nice player but like who are the picks that you're looking at and saying that is the guy that i'm keeping an eye on and three years from now i'm going to say that's the guy they had to hit on And, and the answers might be similar to what we just said but it's a little bigger picture
0: well our listeners should first know that you have given us some ground rules for these answers, Dan, and that we are not allowed to answer. Well, uh, <laughs>
1: you know what? I will, I will actually say, if you want to say Deshaun Watson or Amari Cooper, I think that's fair in, in, this, in this instance.
0: Okay. Well, if that's fair, then I have to go with Deshaun Watson. I mean, they gave up the farm uh, to get Deshaun Watson, three first-round picks, including this year's, Uh, so he has to work out. I mean, he really has to work out or you're going to be playing some catch-up for a few years, but, um, but yeah, so I think, uh, he has to be everything that they hoped that he would be. And that, that means tremendous success at the very least playoffs. And, um, and so, yeah, he is the defining pick of this draft, but I'm going
1: to make you give me a draft pick answer to later, Scott, what do you think?
2: Um, yeah, I'll stick to the draft. And I'll say, you know, number one, Kid York, for all the things we've talked about, um, he will define this draft for Andrew Barry the way Ryan uh defined, what was it, Butch Davis, I think, who drafted him. <laughs> um, he, had, he had a decent career for a long snapper. But, uh, yeah, people are going to look back and, and know that that he was a fourth round pick. He was the only kicker pick. They needed to draft a kicker. So that's one. I think David Bell is the other one because of the fact that they traded out of the second round and away from a lot of players that um, just not just media, but fans felt that, you know, there were a lot of other guys there who who maybe were uh, higher rated, uh, just, you know, whether you go by mocks or just big boards, whatever the case, there were just a lot of guys there that I think the Browns could have taken. And a lot of people think they should have taken. So David Bell is going to be held up against them. So I think those are two guys for me, just just Bell and York kind of combined.
1: Yeah, I, I had York on my list. And, and Bell I had on my list for that that reason because, you know, I, I saw a tweet that I think it was from Albert Breer talking about the Packers draft. And people were frustrated the Packers didn't take a receiver in the first round. But the way it worked was – They ended up getting two defensive players. And in between the first pick they made and when they did finally take a receiver, no receivers went. So it worked out for them. They they ended up getting the receiver who was presumably at the top of their board for the Browns. It's not as simple because they traded out of 44 John Mechie went with that pick George Pickens, Alec Pierce, Sky moore They all went between when the Browns traded down and when they selected David Bell. And so certainly by no fault of Bells, he's always going to be sort of tied to that decision. And if he doesn't really pan out, and if Sky Moore becomes a stud for Kansas City, or if George Pickens, you know, stays on the right path and and becomes a great player for the Steelers, those two things are always going to be kind of tied together.
0: Yeah, I agree. Those really stand out. Um, But in the interest of, uh, you know, just kind of discussing another player here, I think you could also make a case for one Martin Emerson, uh, because uh, he was the very first pick of this draft. After they traded away their first rounder and they traded traded their number forty four, and everybody was kind of wondering, "Hmm, what do they have in mind here?" And what they had in mind was somebody that we just didn't think about at all, um, and a player in in Martin Emerson, who uh, again Dane Brugler had a fifth round grade on him. I think. Um, I think Lance Zerlein from NFL, NFL.com was maybe somewhere in that ballpark as well. I don't think anybody really was thinking about Martin Emerson at number 68. Now Maybe other teams were. Uh, we don't really know about that for sure. But if he can come in here and develop into a quality, almost starter or starting cornerback, you know, then then that kind of really helps make this draft for the Browns. Um, We don't know for sure if he can play as the nickelback. We don't know that yet. He's going to have to prove that he can do that. Is he an outside guy? He was in college, uh, but is he starting caliber? I don't know yet. Um, But to pick him that high, I think puts a little pressure on for them to get that right.
1: So it's a little strange because he was that that first pick. And I actually, it's, it was so strange that I didn't put him on my list that I actually put a little explainer in my story as to why I didn't have him as like one of my three guys. And I think it's because even if he pans out, he's never going to be like, I mean, I guess if he starts at nickel, you could call him a starter. Like Troy Hill was a starter on this team, even though he didn't start every game. But if he's an outside corner, he'll never be like the, the starting corner, one of the starting corners on this team. If everyone's healthy, right. It'll be Denzel. It'll be Greg Newsom, And he's kind of your, your third corner or maybe your inside guy. Um, so, so that's why I didn't put him down as like a defining pick, but there is also that factor that you did trade down and he was the first guy you selected. So it's a little, it's a little weird. There's kind of a line there, I guess, to walk.
2: If they had taken, if they'd had, had a first and second round picks and Emerson's your third round pick, I don't think it's like, okay, that's makes sense. They took a corner in a third round, you want depth there, but you're right because he was the first player taken and because they ch- traded down, it just kind of highlights it a little more and, and maybe makes you th- have expectations for that player that you might not have had. Uh, otherwise, like, you know, Anthony Schwartz last year.
1: Next question here, Um, a a name we've mentioned, Donovan Peoples-Jones. So um, a nice player, a sixth-round pick, a good find late in the draft. Um, I think it's safe to say that regardless of where the rest of his career goes, Brown's found some real value there. They found some real production there. Um, So here's my question now about this draft. The Donovan Peoples-Jones of this draft will be blank. So we got nine players. I think we have to disqualify a few. I think we've got to disqualify probably Cade York. I, I guess if if we mention somebody in those first few in, in that first answer, I think we might have to disqualify them. I'm not sure. Maybe that's not fair. But who's the who's kind of the under underrated guy? I guess maybe a late round guy that we might look back on and say, oh, I don't know, being a really good pick for them.
2: Oh, you're gonna make me go first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm tempted to say Jerome Ford just because uh, it, it just makes me think there's going to be changes to that depth chart. Uh, he could be someone who gets opportunities in the return game. Um, I don't know. That just seems like one that, that certainly like, it, you know, he could have a Dernus Dur- Johnson game. He could have uh, a year like that uh, because injuries happened. Um, I'm hesitant to say Michael Woods just because of so many people at the receiver position now. Um, I don't know if that path is going to be there like it was for him or even Felton last year who really did most of his work as a receiver outside of, you know, returning. Um, But I might go with James Jerome Ford. The seventh rounders, I don't know. Um, I I doubt Deaton is going to get on the field uh, as a lineman. So, I don't know. I'll go with Jerome Ford.
0: That was the first name that popped into my mind when you mentioned this um, was Jerome Ford. But again, once again, in the interest of just kicking around some other names and some other thoughts, um, you know, Isaiah Thomas is somebody, I think that, you know, he could bring some late round value there in the seventh round also out of Oklahoma played with Perry on Winfrey on that defensive line in Oklahoma. He's somebody that, Uh, you know might have some potential as a um, as a rotational edge rusher so um, so yeah I think he's somebody to keep an eye on I don't think it's going to happen necessarily this year uh, but a couple years down the road he he could be somebody that that shows up there in that rotation
1: yeah this is tough and and Thomas was one I was thinking of just because there could be that rotational effect like maybe he gets like four sacks just somehow rotating in and out over you know some season um i just none of these picks really did a lot for me honestly on on this last day jerome ford you know even if they didn't have a bunch of other running backs that would sort of be like yeah okay that's fine michael woods i guess isaiah thomas was kind of the most interesting one just because of the position he plays and because they're just kind of clearly loading up at that position and trying to, to put as many bodies there as they can at this point so I think it's got to be him because I, I don't know for as, as short as this team might be on receivers, I'm still not sure I see a significant role for a guy like Michael Woods.
2: Well, remember though, that DPJ and Felton, the reason they got both got opportunities as rookies were because of injury. That's true. And so if we're kind of wondering who's going to be the next guy, we're probably thinking of a situation where they get on the field because, you know, injuries happened and, they were they were the next man up,
0: and then Dawson Deaton will fool us all and become <laughs> and win, the,
1: <laughs> win the center job. Yeah,
0: yeah. maybe absolutely. <laughs> so I,
1: I feel bad for those day three picks. They didn't quite get the shine they, they were supposed to get. We were all pretty much gassed by that point. So uh, we'll uh, we'll circle back with those guys in rookie minicamp in, in a couple weekends. Uh, we'll they'll, they'll get a little shine then. Uh, When when we get a chance to talk to all of them. Um, Okay. Let's take a break. And then I've got a few other questions to throw at you guys. And back on the orange Brown talk podcast. All right. So we're going to rank three players here, three running backs kind of going with the Jerome Ford discussion because I'm listening to the radio today after I dropped my daughter off at school. It's like my 10 minutes of sports radio that I listen to every week. And Kareem Hunt was a topic of discussion with this crowded running back room. He's going to be a free agent after this season. I don't know if we touched on it at all uh, in our in our wrap up pod, but you know, there's some some Browns fans are wondering: Could Kareem Hunt get traded? Could the Browns kind of explore what they could get for him? So we're going to do a ranking here of most likely to be on the roster in Week One: Demetric Felton, Kareem Hunt, and De'Ernest Johnson. I think I would still have Hunt number one. I just don't see the point in trading him. And Mary Kay, I think we talked about this yesterday. Like mm-hmm. you are, you are trying to win a Super Bowl, yeah. and Kareem Hunt on your roster gives you a better chance to win the Super Bowl. So I'd be a little hesitant to, to move him. So I, I, I would put him number one. Did, did, would you guys have a number one, or does anybody want to make the case that you should trade Kareem Hunt, or should we move on to the other two?
0: I would have him number one. I'd still have number one. I. I don't know. I mean, I've been trying to figure out if there's something going on with with Kareem in the aftermath of of this draft. And I still think that he's somebody that you want to keep around for this year, especially in the event that you have a Nick Chubb injury. And he had uh, some issues last year. So I I would say stick with uh, Kareem Hunt. Don't let him out the door this year and then go from there.
2: I I want to put honey at the top, but I understand why you're thinking about maybe moving on from him from him um, because of the free agency, because of the injuries. Um, You know, if you don't move him, then you're, you have the potential of him just walking and, you know, not really getting anything out of it. But I think right now I don't, I just can't see
1: it happening. I got to put him at the top. I, I guess in a world where like, you know everyone is available where would you draw the like what's i don't even know what the browns could get for him so what would you need to get back to even take that phone call if you're andrew berry because i i don't know that anybody's given you a, a, nobody's given you a first i don't even know if you get a second for him
2: not for a running
1: back no yeah i, well, I think it might, you can maybe get a maybe get a third in the right situation
0: well you have to remember that he's heading into the final year of his contract and so you know generally teams don't like to give up too high of a pick for somebody who is going to be a free agent after the season, unless you have a pretty good idea that you're going to be able to extend the contract and, and get that all figured out. So that would factor in. Um, But yeah, I would say probably like a mid round pick Um, and $6.25 million cap hit is kind of a lot. So that's, it makes me wonder sometimes, will they revisit it? And try to extend him out a little bit and maybe lower that cap number. But, you know, the other way to go is to just, you know, let him play out his, you know, final year and then go have an opportunity for him to see if he can be the featured back somewhere.
1: And he does turn 27 in August. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's going to be tough to really sell a team on trading for, and then extending a 27 year old running back, I think too. Um, okay. So Demetric Felton and Dearness Johnson. It's like, it seems crazy on its surface that Demetric Felton wouldn't make this team, but I, I could see a scenario where, I mean, Dearness Johnson kind of forced his way onto the team last year by playing so well in the preseason and, and in training camp. He almost made himself uncuttable. If he's still around, he, he might just do it again. And then you're kind of left with the decision, you know, are you going to just make Demetric Felton a full-time wide receiver? Or are you going to release him? Would, would you even think about trying to get Jerome Ford through waivers? Dearness Johnson just has a way of like forcing his way into the mix. So that that's kind of why I think it's an interesting kind of exercise, I guess.
2: I would put Dearness Johnson over Felton. I think it's more of a likely that Felton would not be on the roster. You, you have your, you have a return guy now in grant. Um, and uh, does he do kickoffs as well? I can't remember now. Um,
1: I think he I think he has. Yeah. All right. Well, and and the other thing is Dearness can return too.
2: Right. Right. And um, I'll assume Ford could if he needed. I I think Felton's the guy whose whose job description has changed a little bit. We heard from one of the I think it was one of the scouts say that Felton's going to be in the running back room going forward. So if he's not going to be getting a lot of wide receiver reps, if he's not going to be uh, featured as much as a returner, then I think you're, you're stuck with Demetrik Felton as a running back. And I don't think that really impressed anybody last year. So yeah, I, <laughs> I would put him below Dernus Johnson then.
0: You know, I, I'm going to go with Felton. I'm going to go with Felton next because uh, this is a personnel department that really prides itself on making draft picks. And I think they really like to find those late round gems. I feel like they feel like Felton is one of those guys. I think they believe that they haven't really scratched the surface with him. I think he falls into that category of we draft out for a year or two down the road. And uh, I think he spent last year, you know, trying to figure out where he fit. And I still think that that's going to be a work in progress. But before they find a home for him, I don't think they're going to want to give up on him. I think they're going to want to say, oh, OK, uh, you know, maybe he is a uh, all purpose back or maybe he is a you know, slot receiver, whatever the case may be. Um, so I think they are going to want to explore more of him, especially because of his, of his versatility, his ability to re- return kicks. Uh, so I'm going with him next.
1: Jakeem Grant, 110 kick returns, uh, 119 punt returns. So yeah, he's a a dual, a dual threat there. And two kickoff return touchdowns, one in 2018 and one in 2019. So certainly a guy that can do both. I think, I think it could be Dearness. I just think Dearness is pushy. I, I just think he, I do agree that this, these guys want to keep their draft picks and develop them, but I, can't, I Dearness just finds a way I know it's like we can say that about a lot of guys sometimes it become can become a little cliche but that's just sort of what Dearness does like he just sort of figures it out he shows up and he makes it really difficult to cut him now you can maybe you know you can maybe sneak Felton through waivers at this point and get him on your practice squad you know maybe some team out there really liked him in the draft last year and, and would steal him but you know there's a possibility you could do that too so i'm gonna go hunt johnson and felton I
2: and think. we're all assuming drone ford's gonna make the roster just because of the way they they keep yeah draft picks right so i guess it comes down to what can Demetric felton do that ernest johnson can't other than make less money
0: that's a big issue if <laughs> That is a big issue. I mean, if, if you have a guy that's not going to get on the field very much, and he wouldn't get on the field very much probably if Kareem Hunt is healthy this year, um, that's a lot of money. Uh, his his unrestricted, I mean, his restricted free agent tender of $2.43 million. Now, they don't necessarily have to pay him that. You can You don't necessarily have to end up with that amount of money on the books, and I don't think they want to if they can get him for significantly less than that, uh, then I think that he has a better chance of being back.
1: So I, I don't, I have to do some math on this, but they can, if he doesn't sign that tender, they can do the June 15th tender. And that would be 110% of his salary of last year, which I don't have up in front of me. And I'm also really bad at math. So I, I don't know what that number would be and how it compares to the, the tender they have on him. But um we'll see. I guess we'll kind of see how this all plays out. Um, And and you're right. We got to factor in the money as well. Okay. Two more here. And these are just kind of guesses. Uh, David Bell, we're going to go back to him. Where does he rank on this team among receivers only among wide receivers only in yardage in 2022? So let's say Amari Cooper's first. Where does David Bell at the end of the year rank in receiving yardage among receivers?
2: Just the wide
1: receivers. receivers. Just the wide receivers.
0: Probably third then. If we're just going wide receivers, I'll probably say third, because I still think that somebody else is going to show up on the doorstep and be the number two receiver. So, or Donovan Peoples-Jones. So I, it's either third or fourth, but I guess I'll say third.
1: I would say third two behind Cooper and, and DPJ. I, I still think DPJ, unless somebody else comes along, is is your second. He's he's going to put out enough yardage to be second. He'll yeah, have like I think seven hundred yards.
2: I'll go with third two, and I think that Cooper and DPJ are catching balls farther down the field too than than David Bell is. So that could factor into it. But I, I do agree that unless unless somebody else comes in. And is the clear cut starter with Cooper. I think it's going to be People's Jones and Cooper on the field most of the time to start.
1: Okay, last one. More sacks this year. Perry on Winfrey or Alex Wright.
0: Well, oh, that's a good one, Dan. I'm going to say Alex Wright. I'm she... going to say Alex Wright.
1: Depending on how he kind of shakes out, he could, he could get a decent amount of playing time. Because he'll play inside a little bit, too. Him and Winfrey might play next to each other a lot. Not a lot, but a fair amount.
0: I'm going to uh,
1: say Winfrey, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'd probably go with Winfrey, too. I think he has more of an opportunity to get... Uh, he'll have an opportunity to get more snaps at tackle than, I think, Wright will at defensive end. Um, I mean, we don't think Wright's starting, right?
1: Well, right. Like, this is the question. Like, if Jimmy I mean, Winfrey could, comes back, that changes the math.
2: Right. I think Winfrey could, even if he, even if they start out with like Jordan Elliott and even like Sheldon day, they want more experience in their week one. It could be a situation like McDowell last year where a few weeks in, he just works his way into that lineup. And then he's starting cause he's, he's made a couple of plays. Um, I think there's a better path to him getting more snaps than Alex. Right.
0: I think it depends on if, um, if they do sign, re-sign Jadeveon. If they do, uh, then Alex Wright, along with Chase Winovich, you know, they're just part of the rotation, and he he won't get nearly as many snaps. And as we have mentioned, Perrion Winfrey has an opportunity to be a starting defensive tackle this year and get a ton of snaps. So the opportunities will probably be there there for him more so than they will be for Alex Wright. But for some reason, I don't know, I'm just going to go with my first answer, and that's Alex Wright.
1: Trust Trust your gut. Yep. Oh, that's going back to the school days. Always go with that first answer. Trust. Trust. Mm -hmm. All right, there we go. That's all the questions I had here uh, off of this draft class. So uh, that'll do it for this edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast. Make sure you subscribe uh, Apple podcasts and Spotify. Leave us five-star reviews, say nice things about us. And then also make sure you're a football insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Brown's the blue banner at the top of the page for Scott. Mary cam Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.